So I told you last week that I've kind of been in this place where I'm going to just try to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and do whatever God is pressing upon my heart to do. And we may be jumping around and looking at different things. We may be talking about some things that are current events. We may be talking about some things that are on Facebook or Instagram and, you know, things that you're seeing, things that you're being bombarded with. And we haven't covered the coronavirus yet. And maybe that's, you know, a week or two down the road. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, I travel through airports a lot and I see people, I travel through the Atlanta airport and through O'Hare. So I, I see people with masks on and I see where they're having people screened at both of those airports and all that. I don't think that I've got any evidence of coronavirus now, so don't feel bad if you shook my hand today, so it's, it's all good. So anyway, <laughs> I just said we aren't going to talk about it. Here I am talking about it. So anyway, so we're going to try to just, I'm just trying my best to just beg God to speak to me in such a way so that I can just relate kind of what's on my heart and what he's showing me. And, and this week was kind of a unique experience because I just, <laughs> there's, Sometimes God just bring ver- brings verses to your mind and then starts showing them to you. Like literally, I had an example of this, and I was looking at a particular set of verses, and then, then like I looked, and there was a picture of it on Facebook, and I was like, wow, okay. Like it was the exact verses that I had on my mind, and it was like two or three times during the week where God just kind of, like it was just showing me these verses. Like, okay, well, I guess that's what I'm supposed to talk to you guys about because it's heavy on my heart. And it's always, this particular topic happens to be heavy on my heart a lot, as a matter of fact. And that is, um, and by the way, for our 20-somethings, you guys can get a little sneak preview. We're going to be doing a book called Do Hard Things by Brett and Alex Harris. Um, it's more for teenagers, but we're going to be doing some, that in our 20-somethings uh, group. Um, but anyway, so the, the book basically is this, is that we look at our teenagers today, and we kind of want to shelter them. And, and, and keep them like our arms wrapped around them, make sure nothing bad happens to them, they never have to do anything difficult, that everything goes easily and smoothly for them. And we, we do that in the name of we want their lives to be better than our lives were, right? So we, we do that typically. I mean, I'm not saying every parent does that, but it's a very common thing. As a matter of fact, I was talking to a mother the other day, and, and she was, I, I, I can't, her, her son was 18 years old, and, and she was still trying to coddle him in a way and like, worried about this and worried about that. And I was like, look, this is a grown man. They can hand him an M16 and, and send him out to Afghanistan to shoot terrorists right now. So, I mean, like, at some point, we got to kind of relinquish that and say, all right, I raised you up to go and do hard things. Now, now you can go live your life and you can do those things, and I prepared you for that. But we have this tendency, especially mamas and their boys in particular, that we want to protect them from every possible bad thing that could ever happen to them. We, we have this protective nature, and we want it just like, I just never want anything bad to happen. Um, and, and we take that to an unhealthy extreme sometimes. Uh, and, and I may not just be talking about parents and their teenage kids. I may be talking to you about something else in your life, and you may, you may identify with this. But um, I can remember distinctly, uh, Cassidy, we always kind of pushed her to do her own stuff. Uh, we didn't want her to always have to rely on us. We didn't always want her to have to come to us and say, oh, uh, I need this. For example, when we uh, would go to order food somewhere, and Casty, you know, when she was little, um, we, she would look at us and she would say, well, this is what I want to eat, you know, because she knew what she wanted to eat, so this is what I want to eat. And I would look at her in her little, you know, six, seven-year-old self and go, 
Well, that's fine that you're telling me that, but I don't take the orders. The waitress does or the waiter does, and they're the ones you have to tell what it is you want to eat. So telling me doesn't do you any good. And we forced her from a very early age to order her own food and speak for herself. Now she's gotten so used to it, she's actually to the point of being cocky about it. She's like, hey, 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 can I get some lemons for my tea? You know, so uh, there is an unhealthy extreme that you can take it to. I'm kidding, Castia. You know I love you. Um, so anyway, but I'm just saying, like, like, I look at stuff like that, and it was so important for us to encourage her to do some hard things in life. And I know that that's not really everything that I'm talking about. Ordering food at a restaurant is not the hardest thing you're going to endure in your life. Um, but we always pushed her and encouraged her to try to do some hard things in her life because we knew it would be important for her to be able to handle hard things in her life. Um, and, and I was so proud. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gloat for a second. I mean, I was so, cl- uh, so proud this past week. I was out of Chicago, and Cassie brought a message from Galatians chapter 3 on Wednesday night. And I was like, my 17-year-old girl just exegeted Galatians chapter 3 and like, I mean... I was just, I was overwhelmed by that reality, you know? And I, I think, and I'm not saying that we're the picture of what you're supposed to do or the, the perfect picture of everything to do right because we're not, not even close. But I did find it important in Cassie's life to push her to do some hard things. And, and we need to push each other to do hard things. And there are some people in our lives that we're trying to protect and we're trying to make sure everything goes just so and, and nothing's ever difficult and nothing's ever, ever a struggle. And, and that's, that's really, that's not the picture of life. Because I don't know if, if you're in here and you've ever been through a difficult time, uh, but, but you really need to be prepared to handle struggles and difficult times and trials and all those kinds of things. You know, the very preacher thing for me to say would be, you're either heading into a storm or you're in a storm or you're heading out of a storm. You know, that's what all preachers are supposed to say, so I'll say that to you. Um, but, like, but it is true, though. Like, you're going to endure difficult stuff. You're going to endure some really, really difficult stuff, as a matter of fact. And, and we want to look at going through that today. I want to look at, at some scripture, and it's going to be a very short passage. We're going to look at James. Uh, we're going to look at a very short passage about what it means when we go through hard times, difficult times, what happens during that. And I just want to share some ideas and, and more than just ideas, they're actually personal testimonies to what I've experienced through hard times and difficult stuff and what God has shown me. Um, because you aren't, always practi- you aren't always promised this perfect picture of everything going smoothly, especially if you're a Christian. That's, that's not truth. And I, I know that's, that's like, you're like, Kenny, that's not very encouraging to hear. And there won't be a whole lot of people in here Sunday, next Sunday if you don't say something more encouraging. But the reality is I would rather you know truth and I'd rather you know the reality, the fact that this is going to happen in your life and us talk about it as opposed to you going out there and having to figure it out on your own and going, well, we never talked about that. I always thought that it was supposed to be good and I always thought it was supposed to be easy. And, and I, I thought that, that God was always going to protect anything bad from ever happening to my family, right? That's a common theme, right? Like if I'm a good person, if I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, God's going to protect me. Nothing bad's ever going to happen to my family. I got a picture. Uh, my apologies if you posted this on Facebook this week. You might have. The God who protected Daniel from the lion. The lions is the same God who will protect you and your family. Is it okay? I think it's okay to kind of say that. Is it true? I don't think so. Case in point, there's a guy in the Bible. As a matter of fact, he's got a really big book in the Bible. His name's Job. And Job had like all of his sons and his daughters killed 
and God allowed it to happen. Now, I know that, that nobody likes to hear that, and I, I'm just, but I want you to know the truth, that, 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 that Satan came to God, and, and God gave him permission to allow these trials and difficulties to come into his life, and, and, and not only did he lose all of his livestock and his house and everything else, um, but he lost his kids, you know? You're like, well, well Job was a righteous man. He, as a matter of fact, Job was so righteous that his, his kids would go to a party on Friday night, and Job would be on his face late Friday night, early Saturday morning, praying for whatever sins his daughters and sons may have committed the night before. That's what kind of man Job was. So does that picture Daniel in the lion's den and in the little caption that God's going to protect you and your family because God protected Daniel in the lion's den? Is that really the picture of the way that it works? Let me tell you the way that it really works. God does the things that he does in our lives to increase our faith and increase our dependence on him. Whether that's good, bad, or ugly, that's the way God works. And you're going to endure some difficult times, partly because we live in a broken world, but God can take all of those things. He, as a matter of fact, Jesus says, you will have trouble, you will have difficult times, but take heart for I have overcome the world. In this world, you're going to have a lot of struggles, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Now, a lot of people want to take that scripture and take it out of context and means that you're going to have everything easy in your life, and that is not what it means. What it means is that if you trust in Jesus, if your faith is really in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what happens in this world, you will have a peace that surpasses understanding inside your heart, and that will be what helps you overcome the world. It's not like that, that if, you have, if you're in a train wreck that you're going to walk, walk out unscathed. That's, that's not what that is. That means if you walk into a train wreck or you walk out of a train wreck and your whole family's dead, that you can still have peace and you can still have a testimony that says, even though everything bad has happened in my life, I still have Jesus Christ who is my hope. And that is the picture of real redemption. That is a picture of really overcoming the world. Can you imagine if something held you back from being able to, to have that kind of confidence and have that kind of peace? That like, I got all this confidence in Jesus and I love Jesus and Jesus is number one in my life. But I had this, 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 and happened, and, and now I just diminished it a little bit. It, it, just, it, it just decreased my faith. Well, one of the things that, that you will find out about trials and difficulties in your life is it will reveal your faith. That's one of the beautiful things about trials. helps you see clearly where your faith really is. I know this because I have seen many people in children's hospital and other hospitals and even inside this church. People are all fixated on, I love Jesus. Jesus is number one. Jesus is going to rescue me in this situation. And then Jesus allows that loved one to die. And then that person is no longer to be seen anywhere. There is no more time at the altar. There is no more even coming to church on Sundays because Jesus didn't answer their prayer. So therefore... I'm done with Jesus. That is not the kind of faith that Jesus desires for us to have. That is not the kind of relationship that we're supposed to have with the one who loves us more than any other person, any other human being on the earth. He loves us more than that. Imagine, imagine if you've got your boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, whatever, and says, you know, they're, they're committed to me, they're devoted to me, but you know what? They didn't go get me a drink, so therefore I am done with them. I asked them to go get me something to drink. They wouldn't do it. 
they had a broken leg, foot surgery, whatever the case may be, and, and then they wouldn't do it, so therefore, I am done with that person. Can you imagine that just because Jesus doesn't meet one of our requests, the one who, know, by the way, the one who knows everything we need, I mean truly need, not just what we want, everything that we need, knows that better than we do. We ask him for something, he does not answer that, so it diminishes our faith in him. How ridiculous would that be? How ridiculous, but that happens all the time and it reveals to people what their faith is really like. It reveals to them if they really have genuine faith or not, or if they're just asking Jesus to fix whatever situations in their life and, and not asking Jesus to be their life. Difficult things. Do hard things. Um, let's, let's go to the scripture real quick. Like I say, it's a short, short passage in James chapter 1. We're going to get to the first four verses. And this may be a start of a whole sermon series where we just go through James for the next 64 weeks or something. I don't know. But anyway, um, this letter is from James. Okay, good, because it says that at the top of the page of my book. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers uh, scattered abroad. Greetings. So he's talking to Jews, right? And he's talking to people that came from a religious environment that he came from. Hey, you guys know what it's like to to go through all the rituals, to go through all the things that we went through, to, to celebrate all the things that we celebrated. And Cassie talked about this Wednesday, that they had a lot of things that they had to do in order to maintain their faith. Uh, they, they believe that, that in order for you to have true faith in God, you've got to maintain all these laws and all these celebrations and all these rituals. That's the way you had a right relationship with God. But what they didn't realize is all those laws, all those rituals, and all those celebrations are to remind them of the immense love that God has for them. But they were missing that part. They were just going through all the external stuff. So anyway, so remember that in this book that he's actually talking to Jewish believers. And he said they're scattered abroad. Okay, So they're Jewish and they're, and they're believers in Jesus Christ. That's, that's key. So um, we can't really dig in here if we don't know that they're believers in Jesus Christ. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Okay, well, that doesn't sound very fun, Kenny. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Well, you think about what kind of troubles come our way. Broken relationships, death, sickness. Um, there's a whole plethora of things that we could talk about that are, that are troubles, right? Sometimes we get sick, sometimes we get ill, sometimes we, um, we deal with somebody that's sick or ill, or maybe they're even uh, hard to deal with, or uh, they're... Maybe they're, they're, they're losing their minds or something like that. There's all kinds of troubles that we can run into, especially in this broken world that's full of, full of every kind of trouble that you could possibly imagine. Just because we are believers does not mean we're immune to that. But what, what James is telling all of us is that uh, this is an opportunity for you. Now, one of the things that happens in, in, in my work all the time is we don't call... Um, we don't call the things we run into challenges. We call them opportunities. Everybody run into that at work too? Oh, that's not a challenge. This is an opportunity. This is a chance for us to shine, right? And you're like, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. This is actually going to be hard, right? Well, I feel that, by the way. And I think James is doing a little bit of that to us right now. This is an opportunity for you. You're going to face great trouble. He doesn't just say trouble, but great trouble. You're going you're to face troubles and, and, and like, this is an opportunity for you. Do you look at the troubles in your life as an opportunity? 
not just an opportunity to overcome them, not just an, over, an opportunity for you to get past them, to take another step, to, to breathe another day, but it's an opportunity for great joy. Is that how you face your troubles? I know I struggle to do that. I really struggle to do that. I give you personal examples. Um, everybody knows that my daughter passed away with cancer. She had a brain tumor, and I, I did not approach that situation with great joy. Uh, not at all, as a matter of fact. When they told us she had a brain tumor and she was falling asleep and she was crying and all those kinds of things, you know, it was a really painful um, process. Um, I did not look at that as an opportunity for great joy. That's just me being honest with you. But when she went back for surgery the next morning um, and she's going to have this brain tumor removed, they were gonna, basically going to cut her head from here from the top of her jaw all the way across her head to here. And they were going to remove the skin down, and then they were going to cut out the front part of her skull right here. And that's how they would remove this tumor that was about the size of a, of a tangerine that was inside of her head right there. I can't tell you a lot. But I can tell you, as they were wheeling her back for surgery, it was heartbreaking. It really was. I mean, because you think about... This may be the last time I see her, you know, that kind of thing is going through your mind. And they take her back there. And I don't know how to explain it to you, but I had the most peace I had ever had in my life knowing that my daughter was back there having brain surgery. I can't explain it. It doesn't make sense. I didn't understand it. I don't think the people around me understood it. I should have been crying. I should have been all upset. I should have been just terrified about what was going to happen. I'm just telling you what I felt in my heart. And I'm not saying I didn't shed any tears, because I did. There were moments that were emotional. But I'm just telling you the kind of peace that I had, it's not one that was explainable. The kind of comfort that I had, I mean, because the, the reality is, Kenneth had given her life to Jesus Christ. That that's where our hope hope was. She, she had put her faith in Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Therefore, that's where our hope was. And, and for whatever reason, because I had that kind of hope, man, it, it gave me a sense of peace that I could not explain. And, and, and even though it didn't look like at the time it was an opportunity for great joy, when I look back now, I go, man, I wish I could, I, I wish I could experience that kind of peace all the time. But what was happening there is in that difficult situation, God was revealing to me what my faith was really in, what my faith really looked like. And I am so thankful I got that picture of my own faith. I got that picture of what real faith looked like. Didn't look like great joy necessarily, but it sure did. On the backside, looking back now, it certainly gives me a lot of peace. There was another situation. I didn't intend to talk about Kenneth a whole lot, but I, I, I have to do what I feel like I got to do. Um, there's no situation where uh, we were at Betty's barbecue. Everybody knows where that is. As a matter of fact, when Betty's, when she, when Kenneth passed away, this always gets me. They put up on the sign, uh, "We'll miss you, Kenneth." You know, up there where they always put the home cooking signs. You know. I don't know why that always gets me, but just thinking back to that sign, I can still see it in my mind. It still gets me. Um, but we were at Betty's Barbecue. We like to eat there a lot. And 
um, they would see Kenneth come in and they would go ahead and get her mac and cheese and they were like, while we sat down, they would just set mac and cheese in front of her because that's knew what she liked. Well, it's getting harder. Um, so we were, we were sitting there and uh, it was time for us to pray. Well, Kenneth had been having bad headaches that day, okay? Um, this is on the backside of all of her surgeries and everything and, and she still suffered from headaches and she st- suffered from difficult days, right? And uh, this particular day, she just didn't feel good at all. And, uh, but I, I, one of the things that we do in our family is if somebody has had something that's going on, we do pray about it and stuff like that, but we also don't bring it up over and over again because it puts it on the forefront of your mind and reminds you of the fact that you're sick. So I hadn't talked about the fact that she wasn't having a great day. I hadn't talked a whole lot about it. And when we prayed, I just prayed for the food. I prayed for, I thanked God for the time that we had together and the fact that we have another meal in front of us and, and all the things that we normally pray for, right? Well, we got done and Kenneth started crying. And she looked at me and she said, Daddy, you didn't pray for me and you didn't pray that I would feel better. Now, I don't know if you know what it's like to be a spiritual leader in your family, but when your little girl that had a brain tumor calls you out and says, you didn't pray for me and you didn't pray that I would feel better, that's a gut check like you will never have in your life. It was a huge gut check for me. And really, genuinely, in my heart, where I was, is I didn't, I didn't want to bring it up, the fact that she was feeling bad that day. I didn't want to say it again. I already knew that. We'd already been talking about it. And she just took some medicine to deal with that. And, and I just didn't, I didn't pray that she would feel better. And she called me out on it. For, for years, I'm talking about years later, I dealt with a lot of guilt about that particular day. I dealt with a lot of struggles going, I didn't pray for her. She was disappointed in me, and, and therefore, I just can't get rid of that. I, I really did. I, I hung on to a lot of guilt about that. And it used to make me tear up really, really, really bad when I thought back to it. But here is what God revealed to me through that situation. I am so thankful that he kind of eliminated that, that burden from, from my heart. Because I used to really be bothered by that, that I had let her down and all this kind of stuff. And she thought that I didn't have faith in Jesus. What God showed me through that... Listen to me carefully here. Uh, What God showed me through that is God was revealing her faith to me. He was encouraging me that, Kenny, you got to know, actually, when I hear God speaking to me, he calls me son. So, son, when, when she was saying that she wanted you to pray for her, that you didn't pray for her, that is evidence of the fact that your little girl, at the age that she was, she knew that where she was supposed to go for her peace, for her comfort, for her healing, is Jesus Christ, and there's nowhere else you can go. And she knew that so well, she even called me out on it and said, Daddy, I don't know where your faith is, but my faith is in Jesus Christ. That was so encouraging when God revealed that to me. And I was like, oh, thank you for relieving that burden. I thought it was about me. It turns out it's about Jesus, like it always is. You know, like I get so stupid sometimes. I think that it's about me. It turns out it's not about me. It turns out that it's about Jesus. And Jesus had to point that out to me because I'm stupid. Okay, like that's just the way that it works sometimes. But I promise you, knowing that and knowing a person's faith that is on the verge of being right at the edge of death, that will give you great joy. That will give you great joy, even though to the rest of the world, it does not look like great joy. But James says here, look at it as an opportunity for great joy. So think about whatever it is that you've been thinking about in your mind right now. 
this difficulty, this trial, this trouble, whatever you want to call it, think about it right now and think about it as an opportunity for great joy. James is talking to believers. If you're not a believer, this doesn't apply to you. Okay? I'm just telling you, until you know Jesus Christ, you will not know great joy. This doesn't apply to you if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. If you're checking yourself right now and say, I don't know that I could ever get to a place of great joy for the trials and difficulties I'm going through, you may not be a believer in Jesus Christ. And you should really self-evaluate, examine yourself in the light of Scripture and see that you really, whether or not you really are a believer or not. Verse 3, it says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Now, understand that he's talking to believers here. He says, for you know. He doesn't say, for here, let me tell you something. He says, you already know. He says, you've already got the truth. You forget it sometimes, but you know it, right? And that's the only reason I stand up here every Sunday is because you got, you got truth that you already know. I just got to remind you of it, right? Like, that's what God's called me to do, to take, out, take scriptures, you know, four, four little sentences and say, look, just a reminder, FYI, in case you've forgotten, this is what you need to know. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So he says there, your faith is going to be tested in those difficult times. You're going you're gonna to have to evaluate your faith, and then your faith is going to be tested. What is my faith really in? Is it in me overcoming this situation, or is my faith really in Jesus Christ, where all my hope is supposed to come from? So he says, your faith has a chance to grow. You have a greater chance to get closer to Jesus as a result of this trial and this trouble and difficulty that you're going through right now. So think about whatever that situation is in your mind. It's a trial, difficulty, trouble in your life. And look at that. Does that give me a chance to grow closer to Jesus? That's one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons that I believe in trying to encourage Cassie to do hard things. So she will see her faith for what it really is. That it will cause her faith to grow. If you do hard things and you endure stuff, it gives you a chance to get closer to Jesus. When we protect and protect and protect and protect and protect and keep them from experiencing hard thing after hard thing after hard thing, we are neglecting that endurance that can be built up, that endurance that can, go through, that can grow through the testing of their faith. We do it in the name of good things, but it turns out keeping them from doing hard things is actually hurting them. And it goes beyond that for us too, right? Because what is our natural tendency to do for us? We want to do the easiest thing possible, right? If you got a job, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like you, you want to do the least amount you can possibly get away with, and that's what your job is, right? Like their job is to get as much out of you as possible. Your job is to get as, much, as little out of yourself as possible, right? So that's the, the war that's always waged. Well, let me tell you something. When you put yourself in a difficult position, a hard position to do some hard things, maybe some things that challenge you in a way that you've never been challenged before, it gives yourself a chance to have your faith tested and allow yourself to grow in that close relationship with God. I gave you the example earlier of Scott coming up here and playing the drums. I mean, he's like, you know what? There's a need there. I'm going to do my best to meet that need, and that's, that's what he's done. And I think that if you were to ask him, he'd say he's grown through that, challenging himself and doing some things that are hard. The same thing with Emily, man. She, she's up here singing, and, and I, I know that 
when I talked to her before, and I don't mean to call you out, but I know I don't talk to her before, you know, before she ever started to sing up here, she was like, I just don't know. I don't know, man. I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think I can do this. And, and man, there's some really high expectations. And I don't know. I don't know. And then she stepped out and stepped up, and now we get to be on the receiving end of that beautiful voice. And just because that's their God-given calling in their life doesn't mean that they're any more or any less than any of the rest of us. Just like I'm no more any any less than the rest of you guys. I'm just one of you too. I'm a, I'm a partner in this church just like the rest of you. Just doing my best to be obedient and faithful to what God has called me to do. And, and so I'm just like the rest of you guys. But you all have a chance to do some difficult stuff. Some stuff that's going to test your faith. Yes, there are trials that test your faith. And yes, there are putting yourself in a situation where you're in a place to do difficult things where your faith is tested too, and that gives you an opportunity to grow. Your faith to grow, it produces endurance. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Oh, I want to be perfect. (laughs) I've been looking for that verse for a while, haven't you? Where is the verse that tells me how to be perfect? Glad we found it. Y'all can look it up. It's in 1 James, James chapter 1. Verse 4, go look it up, man. It's like, ah, good. I want to be perfect and needing nothing. Is that what this is talking about? That our lives are going to be perfect? That we're going to be perfect? That we won't need anything? Kind of, but not really. This is talking from an eternal perspective, from a God perspective, from a Jesus perspective, if you will. That when your endurance comes to full development... When you fully are trusting Jesus in everything that you need, if you're putting your trust and your faith in him, if your faith is really in God and your, your endurance is fully developed, it's like at that point, you'll be complete, perfect, needing nothing, right? What does that mean? When you think about needing nothing, what is the only thing that we need? It's obvious, right? Jesus, right? So what, what is he saying here? He's saying, you know what you need to do? Let your faith grow. Let yourself see your faith for what it really is. When you come into hard times, difficult things, look at it as an opportunity for joy. We know that when that happens, it's going gonna, it's gonna to stretch your faith, and it's going to, through that process, draw you closer to God. So, so ultimately, when you get to the place where you are, have your faith fully in Jesus Christ, then you really are at a place where you need nothing. Because if you think about it, in our lives and the things that we go through in our daily lives, if we truly had faith in Jesus Christ for everything that we need, we would need nothing. They would not matter. Nothing else would matter. What would matter is that Jesus Christ is ultimately the place where our hope is. That's the goal, right? We can't ever be perfect, obviously, right? I don't know if you can, but I know I can't. Can't be perfect. The only thing I can do is put my faith in Jesus Christ and the perfection of Jesus Christ. If I do that, his perfection is on me. That when God looks at me, he doesn't see me. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. If my faith is in Jesus Christ, that's the only way that I could ever be perfect. So once again, I don't know if you realize this, but once again, where are we? Where do we land? It's not about us. It's about him. It's about him. We have this great opportunity in every situation that we face. We got this great opportunity to get close to him. 
And it's not easy, and it's hard. And sometimes we try to protect ourselves from hard things, thinking that we're doing the right thing. But I, I just want to encourage you, if God's called you to do something hard, that you're supposed to do it. You're not supposed to shy away from hard things because they're hard. As a matter of fact, one of my greatest theologians, John Wayne, said this. He said, courage is being scared but saddling up anyway, you know? I'm telling you, in your life, whether you put them on yourselves or whether you just go through life day to day, you're going to experience some hard stuff, some very difficult stuff. It's all about how you look at them. It's all about how you look at those troubles and difficulties. If your faith is really in Jesus Christ, then those difficulties, those diff difficult situations will become small because he is big. That should be encouraging to us. I know that I came in here today and told you that you're going to experience some difficult stuff in your life and people are going to die and there's going to be tragedy that happens in your life. But I'm here to tell you the good news is, is that there's Jesus Christ who has overcome the world. That in your struggles, in your difficult times, he's given you a chance to come to a greater realization of that truth. That he is all you need. That his perfection is the perfection that you need. You cannot do that on your own. You cannot do that apart from God. That Jesus Christ is the only way. And God's given you a chance today and he's showing you that. Because I know that today there's people in here that are in the middle of a storm. That I know for sure that when you sat down in your chair, you're thinking, God, I needed you to speak to me today. I need you to help me today. I need to hear something today because... I'm just in this low, low place. I'm at rock bottom, and I just needed to hear something today. You know what you have the opportunity today to do? Say, Jesus, you're all I need. Thank you for revealing my faith to me. You are the perfection that I need. If I will put my faith in you completely, if I will look to you, and as you've reminded me through your word, if I will put everything into you, I will need nothing. So will you talk to him today? Will you tell him how much you need him? Will you tell him how much his, his strength can be found in you? Will you tell him just how much you need his strength today? Will you tell him just that you have nothing to offer, nothing to bring to the table, but all your faith has got to be in him? Father, thank you so much for your precious word. God, thank you so much for your faithfulness. I thank you for the fact that your promise always stands. And your promise is not one that everything will go easy in our lives. Your promise is not one where we won't endure any kind of troubles. As a matter of fact, over and over again, you tell us to take up our cross and follow you. Take up our instrument of torture. Take up our instrument of death and follow you. God, that doesn't sound easy. I don't believe you intended it for it to be easy. God, but I do believe you intended it to be full of hope because of what you did on that cross for all of us. God, that's all we need. That's all we need. So Lord, speak to people's hearts right now. I know they're hurting people here and they just needed a word from you. God, I pray that this has been the word that they needed to hear. God, to increase their faith, to draw them to you. God, that's the ultimate way that you get glory. So God, be glorified now in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone stand.